guys well this wasn't necessarily the um thing that i necessarily wanted to talk about but um mainly because i don't have the exact specific um like i don't remember the specific details but um there's a recording by dolores cannon um that is the first i think it was the first one i listened to but um, it was, let me see, it was the first one I listened to, but it was not the one I actually wanted to talk about yet. Um, and the other one I broke down into topics, but she has a series called The Metaphysical Hour. And on YouTube, there's a video that was posted a month ago. So that's in January of 2021. And it's called, um, talk about cases from her sessions and so there's an episode where Dolores Kennett well excuse me she starts um speaking about her sessions with people and so in these sessions that she speaks about um she she just so I'm doing this from memory I only listened to like a little bit and this was my introduction to her so um she starts talking about um a a metaphysical kind of intervention or interaction um that she notices that you know she is involved in that results in people experiencing healing from a lot of physical ailments um so she has an example where she mentioned you know somebody being able to walk that wasn't really able to walk before or um different things i think she talked about like cancer and ulcers and different sorts of things being like um healed or changed over time um, because of this metaphysical kind of dynamic of, of, um, of things. And so she initially speaks about, like, mostly what she's talking about is a, is a process in which people, um, find themselves becoming healed. Um, and it's, how would I describe it? So the way I would describe it is it seems like the process is that she is like a middle person. So she's a middle person and there's this being of some sort that she um, interacts with, I guess, for lack of a better word. There's some person or something it's not like a human being but it's some type of being that she interacts with that um kind of guides her um so I don't know if it's a spirit guide or some other kind of like entity of some sort but there's something that she interacts with that you know gives her direction on how to 
um, counsel the the patients or the clients or the people that come to her that are basically seeking to um, have their problems either reduced or go away. Um, and so she has sessions where people do experience a form of healing. And in this episode, she talked about um, the process that happens where people get healed. So basically, I don't know all the details, but I mean, it might say it in there, but basically there's this living being of some sort that she interacts with that, you know, she comes up to it or it comes up to her or something and like, or she's able to like access it remotely or something and get advice um, when she's talking to the clients that she has come in um, for, you know, to get help with their problems. Um, So it's almost like she's a therapist or counselor of some sort, but then they have, um, she kind of has like, her advice is not coming from like um, empirical journals and like, you know, models of like therapy. Like she's, but it's very similar, honestly, um, by the way she describes it, that there's like a process um, that she uses. And so there's a, there's a, basically what happens is, is people get healed by, um, the, the process of kind of acknowledging where the root of the problems come from. And she talks a lot about how, um, how like, problems that come up especially socially um that relate to not being able to forgive um can result in physical issues like um problems that we see coming up in mainstream culture um now I you know I work in the field of psychology so I would say that that doesn't sound too far-fetched from what science um teaches that you know like like for example, and I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not here to like blame people for their issues, and you know, like if they have a diagnosis, I'm not saying like it's your fault. You can heal it. You have this problem because of what you did or didn't do. But there is a lot of, um, and I'll explain this. There's there's a lot of understanding um, that a lot of issues that um, evolve isn't the right word, but a lot of issues that um, get, you know, that surface and become aggravated and become a problem and get, you know, create, like, all these symptoms are kind of adding up to create a diagnosis, and now, you know, a person has this official diagnosis of diabetes or official diagnosis of obesity or official diagnosis of, you know, um, like, alcoholism or something like that, like, they get like an official diagnosis by meeting certain criteria because of the symptoms and circumstances that kind of, you know, if they, if all these things are happening certain, certain categories for a long enough amount of time causing enough problems and the stress in a person's life, then they'll get that diagnosis. And so, um, a lot of diagnoses that you see, not everything, but a lot of them, 
you see that they aren't like a person isn't necessarily born with them now they're born with there's always this biopsychosocial model of you know distress that people talk about and kind of like the background of um of the model and the um understanding of where where the problems stem from um but a lot of times you know for a lot of conditions let's just say for conditions where people aren't like born with the symptoms but they might have a gene for it or a predisposition for it and some stressor happens in their life that kind of aggravates you know cells and different parts of the mind and the brain and all these things start interacting in a way that it creates this process where more and more symptoms develop and it's so complex because everything kind of plays on everything else so if a person for example has a predisposition and genes for a certain uh diagnosis that they could potentially have but they're raised in an environment or a setting where it's healthy enough in a way that they don't fully get the diagnosis or maybe they have certain symptoms related but they don't like fully develop that diagnosis um so you do see some things that are that you'll see kind of like um in common like oftentimes if someone has diabetes for example that's kind of like an easier one to talk about because diabetes you know oftentimes you know a person's not like born with diabetes it's something that you know over time um based on eating patterns for the most part that's what is based on is eating and exercising patterns um based on those um and metabolism a person can become diabetic and so but then there are other factors that play a role right so it's like there are certain things that you would have to be eating consistently to get diabetes but then also there are certain mood states you would likely be in that would lead to you eating those things or there are certain lifestyle um, stressors or um, categories of distress that a person would be in that would lead them to do those things. Um, so all those things combined with the environment and then the predisposition and then um, a person kind of getting into habits and cycles that creates so that now they are formally diagnosed with this issue. So the reason why I'm mentioning it in that way is because a lot of those things can be reversed too because there is a process by which they develop. And so, you know, a lot of times doctors look at how can we reverse this? And if you're looking at a holistic model where they're not really using a lot of like chemical medications and, I, you know, I have my own beliefs about that kind of stuff. But again, I know some people have to take them, um, you know, because there's not really a method that we know that works consistently, that's easy to get, that's covered by insurance, that actually works enough for someone to be able to live their life without using the chemical medications. But is there stuff out there that people can, you know, learn and do that can work that doesn't use, you know, um, man-made, you know, chemical medic medicines and stuff like that? I mean, there's an argument that yes a lot of a lot of it you know is kind of you know pushed and yeah I'm not even going to get into that but um 
I mean, there are a lot of cultures that don't use um, Western modern medicine and they don't even have the same kind of issues and problems and diagnoses that we have. And they're able to treat things perfectly fine without, you know, they have years and, you know, centuries of knowledge that we don't have public access to, but it seems like they're able to work it out better, if not at least equally to what we're able to do. Like, you know, like, so it just shows that there is other medicine out there that isn't necessarily always going to be approved by the American government. Um, I'll just put it that way. But, um, and there are other types of treatments that aren't necessarily approved or used that are covered by insurance. Like insurance kind of drives a lot of things because that's the money aspect of things. And so if it's not going to make money, there, there's basically approval. So certain things have to basically make money that funnels back into the government, back into, back into the country itself, um, and into the pockets of politicians. So basically that is a lot of what drives like available treatment. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not other stuff out there. And so, um, I think metaphysical approaches are kind of other methods that are out there that you don't really see in the mainstream culture, but you just kind of hear about it. But there is a lot of overlap, right? So coming from a psychological background, there is a lot of overlap between, you know, what you see in like a diagnostic, you know, kind of an issue and trying to like reverse the process and at least decrease the symptoms to a point where they don't fully meet criteria for that diagnosis. So decreasing, you know, all of those symptoms that come up with like blood sugar levels and things like that to the point where a person is no longer considered to meet criteria for having diabetes or something like that. You know, it looks different. Um, you can see the changes if someone's taking certain steps to to reverse it. But there are patterns that need to change all the time. Um, so with metaphysical approaches, especially the type that um, that um, Dolores Cannon was talking about, she speaks a lot about um, kind of like forgiveness, about um, holding on to things that, you know, if a person is able to let those things go, then, then, you know, they're able to experience healing in the process of letting something go. Now that looks different to anybody. Um, but she was saying, you know, things from like traumatic abuse, you know, like sexual abuse, rapes, um, you know, like trauma from being in the military, in the military battles, um, you know, different stressors of like maybe someone in their family died or, you know, um, hard times that come upon people can oftentimes result in later on these really severe issues because there is a pattern that is going on in a person's life so much so that, you know, their brain, um, their body, changes with those patterns just like the difference between if you work out every day consistently in a way that's gonna um you know get you in shape versus if you don't work out every day and you spend that time eating chips and cereal and popcorn and watching tv versus you know running and hiking and being active you know if you do that for even like a year your body's gonna look way different and feel way different and your mind's gonna feel way different than it did before right and that's just a year 
of doing something healthy versus not doing something healthy. Um, and, but if you think about it on a, on a deeper level, like almost everything in the body and mind works like that. And I'm not saying everything is a person's fault or, you know, I'm never the person to say like, this is their fault, but I'm just saying that like a lot of issues that arise can be reversed is just so there's so many intricate details that go into it and so um minimal amount of knowledge because of the minimal amount of information that's taught about how to do this but it really takes you know opening the mind to be able to kind of look at you know what are methods that can be used that can address these problems that come up um and how can they be changed? How can it, how can it, um, be, how can the patterns be changed? Like, for example, if someone is depressed and that's why they're eating a certain way and not having an active lifestyle and then they develop diabetes, I mean, that, you know, I mean, how do you tell somebody, okay, just, I mean, people know what they need to eat. Most people know what they need to eat, but it's a matter of, can you afford it? like in the financial, you know, realm, can you afford it, you know, emotionally to like cook your meals and like have the energy to do that in a healthy way and like deal with shopping and going and getting groceries and doing errands and all the little bitty steps that add up that take energy to actually do what a person needs to do to like do those things. Um, it's not just a matter of, okay, eat healthy. Well, how do you eat healthy if you don't have any money to buy healthy food? How do you eat healthy if you, if you, you know, are so overwhelmed and stressed that at the end of the day, you know, you just want to like not stand in line for something healthier and you'd rather just go through a drive through because it's minimal interaction and less money, but the food's poor quality versus, you know, getting like salads and vegetables and raw fruits and vegetables that you can just eat and feed your body and your mind versus, you know, a cheeseburger from McDonald's, you know, it's kind of like, it's a lot of things combined. It's not just, it's not just, let me, let me just solve the problem like that. Like a lot of things aren't easily solvable or else people would have easily solved them. Um, a lot of it takes motivation too. And, um, the big part with depression is the motivation. Like how is a person just going to snap into motivational mode Unless a doctor, like, usually what motivates a lot of people is if their doctor's like, you're going to die if you don't stop living this way, then people get pretty motivated pretty quickly. But you still even see people struggle then. You still see people have a hard time, um, you know, coping with, you know, just having a new lifestyle. Um, It's hard to get motivated. It's hard to get, you know, change poor patterns um, bad habits, it's hard to change those. And, you know, if your mood isn't where it needs to be so that you can tolerate doing all the other stuff that you have to do, um, usually that's how the problems are going to develop in the first place. The ones that can be reversed, um, the ones that do develop because of lifestyle patterns, um, it's usually going to develop because of all the energy that's put into doing it in a way that the body is just like shutting down bit by bit in certain areas, um, because of it. And so because of those patterns. And so, um, the thing I like about metaphysical perspectives is that, um, it focuses on concepts that, um, aren't always often addressed 
And so, you know, when I was doing a lot more therapy um, in my work, I do way more case management now with some therapy, but before I was doing a whole lot more therapy. Um, and there are a lot of themes that I noticed. Um, I would say one of the major themes that started getting me to build my groups and have people come in was when, when I started focusing on social interactions. So a lot of people that had, um, mental health diagnoses, they were like pervasive mental health diagnoses, um, with symptoms that would recur often and oftentimes really required medications to manage it so that they could, you know, live their lives, you know, without, you know, trying to kill themselves or trying to kill other people or being so like getting, you know, symptoms that create such an unstable lifestyle that they weren't able to like work or function. Like a lot of the clients I worked with before had, you know, they were, they, I feel like they almost all should have been able to qualify for disability because a lot of people couldn't work because their symptoms were so severe. But then, you know, there is that also that other argument of like, you know, sometimes it does help people to work. Um, but it kind of depends, you know, if you if you have to rely on your income, because um, that's how our society, unfortunately, is set up. Not everybody can work a 40 hour work week and make a wage where they can actually support themselves and have a healthy lifestyle that they support. Right. So it's either you're going to barely be able to afford it, be able to afford it, and then you're like skimping on the healthy things and then it creates this unhealthy lifestyle and stressful lifestyle where it's like, yeah, you're hanging on and you're doing it, but it's like, you know, you don't look like the people running on the beach in La Jolla, you know, you look like, you know, you're barely making it. And then there are people who can't, you know, keep their work and, you know, because they have severe symptoms that keep recurring uh, they keep having um, relapses of symptoms and things like that. Um, the medications don't always work or they might go off the medications because of the side effects or they might lose the medications and maybe they're disorganized and, you know, or homeless or some reason why they don't have medications and they get stolen and things like that. And so um, there are a lot of factors that come up as to why, you know, people, you know, get into these unstable kind of phases and the people that I worked with um oftentimes they would get into these really unstable phases where it was like that's kind of what our job was was to interact with them when they weren't very stable get them stabilized and then you know hopefully they're able to see progress and stay stable longer and longer and longer every time to a point where now the episodes that are coming up aren't uh, like for a whole year or like months after months like they're they're having more stability than they are relapse you know periods and so you know it's one thing to have a relapse once every other year for like two weeks versus every two weeks you're having a relapse for two weeks you know it's like for two whole years you know that's that's a whole different you know setting because it's like how do you even how do you manage that right and you know, basically, you know, we have Medi-Cal out here that, you know, helps people get the services that they need and the medications that they need. But um, again, it's limited. So people fall into this place where, okay, what if you do get stable and you can work and you can get a job and you can hold down the job and now you're kind of stuck in, okay, now I can work, I can get my job, I can do what I need to do. And 
but now you're making too much money and you don't qualify for Medi-Cal and you can't afford your meds. And the meds were the only thing that, you know, was seeming to keep a person stable in addition to the coping skills they learned in therapy and things. And so the people I was working with, you know, oftentimes you see that their, you know, life growing up wasn't super stable either. A lot of the people grew up in poverty or had traumatic experiences or had family dynamics and relationships in their families that, you know, or a combination of everything um, like that, that led them to have a lot of difficulty in their adult years, just kind of managing their day to day basics because they've gone so long. Um, like I, you know, I, I met with a, with a client before who was telling me that like her mother, you know, never even fed them breakfast at all and gave them like a, a spoon of, of like honey and they would go hungry so much that they would make like these cakes out of like clay and like hay like from and like grass and weeds and stuff and they would eat that and it's like okay where's your mom like your mom was like in the house but clearly that mother has a problem you know or like parents who like you know were like you know the parent was raped and then they had the kid and then they hated the kid so they treated the kid real really poorly and things like that it's like if you think about someone raised in that environment it's not to say that people can't come out of that and function well but it's like those things are impacting on a person of course you know it it makes sense that in their adult years now they have kids and they're they you know are trying to kind of support themselves and their family and having all these issues coming up and so in the groups I was running, a lot of times we would have, um, like I, I almost exclusively, almost exclusively started just talking about like social dynamics. Um, and right away that was something that people could kind of latch onto talking about, you know, we weren't just like venting about like, oh, my family sucked and like talking about like, you know, traumatic childhood experiences and things, but you know, we kind of like steered away from talking about like general, like specifics of trauma you know, like someone could say, oh, yeah, my family's really rude and mean to me, but, you know, we are not going to get into, you know, you know, why and how that looks and like in detail in the group because it can be triggering to other people. So we didn't really do that. Um, but we, you know, I would let people speak to a point where they could like say what they needed to say without, you know, saying so much that everyone in the group is like, oh, my gosh, like that's too much for me to hear. And then they feel worse after. So basically we would talk about um, the complications of social dynamics and that socially you notice that, you know, a lot of the clients that I worked with, they would have their families that, you know, their families didn't look like supportive families. When you see like the supportive families, maybe it's financially, they have the money, um, maybe, you know, they at least have the knowledge and understanding and ability to kind of like feed people properly and make sure they're housed and sheltered and clothed properly with extra, you know, they're not just like going penny by penny and like, you know, barely getting by all the time. And, you know, they had enough to be comfortable that, you know, they weren't worried about what am I going to eat? Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? You know, who who's in the house tonight or who isn't in the house tonight? And am I even physically safe here? You know, those weren't like concerns for a different population of people versus the people that we worked with. Uh, you know, I noticed that like those were concerns that were like every day. 
um, even in their adult years, it was like every day. So it went from childhood, they were having these concerns all the time to adulthood. Now that they have their own lives, you know, their lives weren't really too stable. And then the relationships they would have, you know, with people they were dating or trying to marry or had married or partners or roommates and, you know, housemates and things like that. Those relationships weren't stable. And then they didn't have family that they could rely on either that was stable family. Um, And so you'd see all these patterns that were just adding up, adding up, adding up. You know, it's no wonder that, you know, people had so much difficulty managing things, let alone having all these symptoms that were from like trauma and things like that. And so when we started working more on on people and the social dynamics and kind of coping with the social pressures that people have versus like, you know, like people like, you know, I've I've had clients who have like disabilities who have like mental health disabilities, who would go in and out of hospitals, who would have physical health problems on top of that, who, you know, weren't able to maybe hear properly or speak properly or learn properly and weren't even able to go to work and support themselves. And, you know, I'm I'm talking like maybe like grown, like a grown adult man or woman, like living in, like in, in their late forties, early fifties, staying with their elderly parents, sleeping on the couch, you know, and you're and this person's, you know, reading books about like, oh, like, you know, social interactions and how to date and stuff like that. And it's like, they'd have real questions. Like, how am I supposed to date somebody? Like who, who, how can I date somebody if I can't drive because I don't have money, I don't have a car, I can't get a license, I owe money in child support, I can't pay for that, and even when I start making money, they're going to take all that money in the child support, and I can't get disability because, you know, the hearings take forever, and, you know, they keep, you know, um, having to, you know do appeals, so that could take three, four years, maybe longer sometimes too, and it's like, And this book is telling this person, you know, to work on their social dating life. And it's like, really? Like, that's not too realistic um, for some people. And so, and that would be just like one social type of topic in addition to, you know, how they would say like, oh, like set boundaries with your, with your parents, set boundaries with these people. But it's like, how do you set boundaries with people who are like professional manipulators? You know, it's like they're narcissistic people that you have to live under their roof because if you're not living there, then you're going to be homeless. And let's be real, you know, in Southern California, when you're homeless, it's not like you're going to get a house the next day. Like they make people wait so long and they prioritize people um, in a way that, you know, if you're homeless and have symptoms and you know, but if you haven't been in the system for too long and say you don't have like too much of a record, like a history recorded, then it's going to be harder a lot of times to like get your needs met. And so there are a, a, a large portion of people who definitely need the help and could benefit from it, but can't get it. And so they're kind of forced to live in these unhealthy environments with all these unhealthy settings. And, and it's mostly social settings that, you know, like if those other people weren't there, these other clients that I had, they'd be mostly fine because they wouldn't be getting triggered on and on and on and on every single day all the time. So, um, all that to say, so going back to what Dolores Cannon was talking about, um, she speaks on forgiveness and that's a big part of social dynamics. Um, and trying to understand basically how you can cope with a social, 
how you can cope with the social um stressor or social pattern when it's on you like when it's on the client themselves um when it's on you to be the person who is learning how to cope with it and learning methods to tolerate not necessarily like be like a punching bag or like have people walk all over you but learning how you can cope without other people having to change for you to be able to be better or get better and so that's kind of more what we would talk about um we would speak about these things uh pretty openly and um regularly and I do think that there's a lot of truth in that so um yeah that that would be the one thing that I would say when it comes to um kind of like like different dynamics that would be one thing like that Dolores Cannon did mention about like forgiveness and letting go of like burdensome things like like she was saying like like say for example if people have like physical pain in their back and that you know it would feel like a burden like you're carrying a heavy load and things like that and so um that's basically how people would come to an under like come to um in a better understanding of what they need to address and so I would say when it comes to kind of like major issues it is definitely good to look at a background look at um kind of um patterns and definitely looking at like the social dynamics that are involved and especially the ones that kind of seem to kind of fester and linger and um, are troubling and traumatic for people. I think it's good to look at the the dynamic of what's going on and see as an individual, you know, what can I do in my life that'll help me cope, assuming that nothing around me is going to change, assuming that my whole entire setting is going to stay exactly as it is assuming that the people in my life are never going to say they're sorry or they're never going to take ownership or they're never going to, um, you know, own up to what they do or stop doing what they're doing. Um, what do I do then? How do I address that? Um, so I would say regardless of where Dolores Cannon is getting her, her details, her information, whatever being she's interacting with, I would say that there's definitely a lot of value to um, what she is coming out on the other side um, teaching, especially if people are getting healed from their problems or or they are finding um, um, kind of like relief of some sort or symptoms changing to a point where they don't notice them or diagnoses or um they're not meeting criteria for a full diagnosis anymore um and they are seeing like results and change i would say that it works and you know i would say one other method to look at it um a different method to use when you're looking at it would be kind of like the social dynamics um and kind of like the individual role in the social dynamics and um there's a lot that's taught by um I wish I knew what this said and it's funny because I saw this for almost five years almost 
at least two, three times a week, there was a poster, there was a, um, some framed posters, and one of them was a framed poster on the wall, and in our work building, and it was of the Dalai Lama, and I think it was, of, yeah, it was of the Dalai Lama, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it's kind of like, um, you know, like, I don't know what it said, but basically the way I kind of took it was like, you can be happy regardless of what's going on around you. Um, a lot of times, um, happiness and joy and fulfillment is a choice. Now I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't have all your basic needs met that, you know, you can be freezing and starving and happy. Um, you know, there is a limit to, you know, you do have to have things kind of squared away and taken care of to a point where you're like able to function. But, um, yeah, there's definitely this, um, definite, um, thing that we see this, this definite, um, aspect, um, that comes up that we definitely see that, you know, when people are, um, when people are able to, you know, focus their attention on gratitude and focus their attention on, you know, this aspect, this aspect of not wanting things. Um, so if you don't want anything, you're not usually going to feel unhappy. And so I know Don Dapani talks about this. Don Dapani, he talks about um when he he was a he was becoming a monk and his teacher, you know, would have him sleep in different places every day. It could be like in a tunnel one day, in a cave one day, maybe a week he'd be like in a tree house and then another day he'd be on the porch and a different day he'd be in a different room. And he finally just learned, you know, to get to just not have anything. Like and that's when the teacher finally helped him realize, you know, that's what I was trying to teach you is that, you know, maybe you carry this book and this blanket with you everywhere. And you've had that for like months and months. It's like, and then it's like, you get like the more you move around, you get used to, or you notice that it's more beneficial to not have anything. And, you know, that teaching is very important that it's like, if you don't have anything and you don't want anything, you're not going to really have too many things holding you back. Right. Um, now it's not saying like, don't aspire to, to have goals and like motivation or anything, but it's just like physical things, especially it's like, if you, if you don't want anything, especially if you don't need anything, but if you don't want anything, you're not going to be unhappy. Right. And that's one reason why I don't watch television is because it makes me want stuff that it's like, you know, it, it it makes me compare like, oh, I can't afford that. Or I see people with like these houses and like their lifestyles and these shows and movies. And I'm like, oh, my life doesn't look like that. Like when I talk to my family, it's not like that. And I don't feel that way when I'm with these people in my life. And I don't look like that when I'm, you know, I'm not able to run like that. And I don't look like that, like in a swimsuit. And I don't, you know, like it's a lot of like looking at things, you know, a lot of times like the media shows us what we should or what we're expected to want 
and expected to need and expected to look like and expected to model. And in reality, that's not most of our lives. That's what it looks like in the movies. It's not real life. And so I've noticed that I kind of get... Um, um a little like more unhappy when I'm kind of you know focused more on those types of things and so I would say it really does help to not want that kind of stuff um and when it comes to social settings also if you kind of take a an approach where it's like not it's kind of like from dbt almost but you instead of like in a mindful non-judgmental approach you're taking like a social non-judgmental approach where it's like you're observing and you're there but you're not necessarily wanting anything of another person so you can kind of expect this person's going to be a dick this person's going to be a jerk they're going to say things this way but you don't need them to say it nicely you don't need them to be polite you know, um, I'm not, and again, there's a fine line between, you know, letting people walk on you and not having good boundaries and like, like accepting abuse versus, you know, just knowing that like this person has their faults and this is how they are. And it's not going to change my mood. You know, I've decided that when I'm with this person, I'm still going to be happy, even if they're trying to make me feel worse that's on them if they really have it in their heart that they want me to feel worse today and that was their goal that when I come over they're gonna make sure they're gonna take a shot left and right and it's like dude I'm just chilling like where's give me another cider you know like I'm just chilling over here like I'm not I'm not involved with all that you know and it takes a lot of mental focus and courage and kind of training your own mind to not get emotionally reactive and to kind of definitely focus on your breathing definitely focus you know you almost have to have like an affirmation or a mantra like in your own mind all the time to kind of keep you grounded to not really buy into it because it's so easy to feed into it and then it's like now we're back in this other cycle but you can be on a completely different wavelength from those types of people and the more you get used to being on that different wavelength um you basically start to develop um kind of like a strength in that area where you're able to kind of socially just distance yourself from other people's negativity in a social setting and you're able to just kind of you know hold your own and not get impacted negatively and it's almost as if it never even happened because you don't need them to say something different you don't need the person to act differently And a lot of us have people like this in our lives where it's like, that's why we avoid them or that's why we ignore them or that's why we talk crap about them because they annoy us. But it's like those types of things also can create other problems in our lives when we have all that negativity. The negativity builds up into a lot of unhappiness, a lot of, you know, every for humans, for the human mind, you know, when when it has when it doesn't have what it wants, um, it nags you know it's like I need this I want this this is how my life needs to look but that's not really accurate I mean there's a lot that we go without that that we can learn to not need and not want 
And I'm not saying, like, go without food, go without water, go without love, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, you can go without a lot of things that we think we need because we tell ourselves we need this these things and we're kind of programmed by modern society to think that we need things that we don't really need, um... And we're not really trained to think outside of it. And so it can really help to think, um, to think deeply and use our minds and retrain and reprogram your own mind to be able to access parts of its, of yourself that are able to do these things because everyone has the strength in them to do these things. Whether or not you have like a mental health diagnosis or all these emotional other issues and things like that, and I, I and I'm saying this because I've worked with people who have severe issues, you know, on you know on the mental health spectrum. They have so many severe issues that they're almost told like you're gonna need these medications for the rest of your life. Like those were the people that I I was used to working with all the time, and so um. I'm not saying that, you know, those models that we were, like, using with the social dynamics and things were, um, were, you know, gonna make it so that people didn't need their meds, but it's like, they were able to cope in their household environment, um, they were able to see things for what they were and kind of challenge it and think about it, like, oh, like, when my mom's yelling and screaming, she's yelling and screaming because that's how she knows to cope with things, and no, it's not okay, and, Yes, I can tell her that I don't want her to do it, but internally, I don't really need her to be doing anything right now. I don't need her to pay attention to me right now. You know, I can do this on the other side because she's not capable of doing those things. I can do this over here um, for myself and I can, you know, be compassionate and pampering towards myself and build myself up while she's over there trying to tear me down I'm not gonna let that happen you know things like that it's it's really it's I'm not even like properly mentioning it because it's so much to like dive into um but it's that's just a general concept that um social dynamics are very very taxing on a human being and a lot of times you know science in general overlooks social interactions and social dynamics and Dolores Cannon did touch on it a lot with like what she talked about with like forgiveness and um because forgiveness is a social thing um um, it's a spiritual thing too and it involves emotions too like it it involves so many things but it also involves physical health it impacts physical health and so um yeah I mean that's a lot of food for thought but I mean, if you made it this far, kudos to you. Um, but that's that's mostly what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, that's mostly what I wanted to say. But there's definitely a spiritual level um, that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be from like a religious background, but there's definitely a spiritual level to finding relief and healing in things, um, and it can be done mentally with the mind, um, really, like, the spirit has to be combined, like, you know, it takes a lot of control, like, all the things, like, ego, and emotions, and the superego, and how it comes in, and starts, like, 
blaming us and telling us negative stuff about ourselves and the ego that makes us be all like defensive and you know the defenses are so automatic that like we don't really catch them and then all that stuff comes up in social dynamics um you know my self-esteem is impacted by my super ego my social like the way I interact with other people and with myself is impacted by by the ego um it's all combined and it's happening so quick in real time that you know unless we reflect a lot and go back and like you know really study our day and study like okay what social interactions did I have today how did I handle it what bothered me what went right what went wrong and actually taking the time to like think about it and like strategize regularly routinely um it's going to be hard to kind of improve on it and it's going to be hard to see different things in life change um because those things are going to keep coming up but it really does take a lot of active work and it's hard but it's not impossible and it gets easier it only gets easier when you do it because it's like you're building a mindset for it so people like these types of topics I'll definitely delve way deep into it because it's totally my thing. I can geek out on this stuff for like hours. I've already been recording since like about 6.15 and it's like 8.30ish right now. So um, at this point, I'm going to record a different intro to this to this clip. And then, um, then I'm going to um, go to bed. <laughs> but um all right guys, well thanks for listening. I hope this topic was interesting for you. Um Dolores Cannon's metaphysical um focuses on um forgiveness and um kind of my own take on it. It's kind of my own like general review because I didn't go into all the details, but there is a video that I did watch with her and her daughter in it where they were giving like a seminar um, or a speech and um, they talked about multiple topics and some of those I really wanted to delve into, um, start delving into, but I wasn't able to find my list of them. So I'm either going to have to go find the list or make another list or just go back and find the clip. I couldn't find the clip either. Um, I know it was like an hour long or so. So, um, and I've only really watched two of her clips and they were so heavy, heavily packed with information. I was like, man, I need to slow down and start like reviewing this stuff because, um, I don't want to keep listening and being more confused. Like it helps me to review it. Cause then I can kind of like conceptualize what's going on. But I don't I hope this was helpful for somebody out there. Um, I'm I'm more than willing to kind of go more into social dynamic topics related to healing and, you know, mental processes and kind of um self improvement and things like that. Um again, I'm not like a perfect person. I don't really know everything on under the sun, but I do know what I've seen work with people and what people say that they find beneficial. And so I'm more than willing to share that, especially because I have energy to do it now because I'm not doing therapy all day, every day. Um, I have energy to kind of talk about those topics in theory. And I hope this is the right space to be talking about those on. Um, But this is just part of a series where I'm talking more about spiritual related things that I've noticed um, revealing themselves kind of more in real time without um, the actual, um, focus on maybe, like, religious texts and things like that, but that definitely can help to, like, have a background, um, you know, I'm not saying, like, throw away religion, throw away all the church and 
throw away Islam and Judaism and throw away all the religions out there. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying um, I've noticed that there are different approaches that the churches don't really take that are more dynamic approaches that people can apply actively to their lives and see results without, you know, having to get so caught up in spending so much energy on things that, you know, they get frustrated because they feel like it's not working. And so, you know, people can use prayer, they can use meditation, they can use different practices that can help them to, you know, recover from things in their lives. And a lot of times it's not really taught how to do that or what to focus on or what to do. I mean, if you're breaking down topics like like this, like the ones I'm explaining right now, um, you can actually pray about a lot of this stuff if you're noticing, hey, I can't see it. I, I don't know what it is that's going on. I'm not catching it. I'm having trouble with this. And you can pray about it. You can meditate on it. You can reflect on it. And you can slowly and surely gain insight into it the more you focus on it and kind of get your attention on it and develop an awareness for when it's actually happening and then strategize about how to actually address it and so that's kind of what I'm saying I'm not saying don't do religious practices I'm just saying that it I think it helps in this modern day and age to be focused definitely so on um on the tangible, like, okay, like, we've been learning all this stuff for centuries, we've been learning all this stuff for so many years, like, how do we do it, you know, how do you do it, because can you think about if everyone kind of had, or more people had an approach where they were actually thinking about social dynamics, and thinking about their social interactions, was how impacting social interactions clearly are on everybody's life and their health, um, how impacting those things, those things are, if people didn't have to be so forgiven because of screwing up so poorly if people didn't have to be you know focusing you know so much on like how do I even manage myself or trust people because you know of like people being so untrustworthy and backstabbing people in the churches and all this kind of stuff it's like if people were able to kind of not have that as like the norm and it became more and more normal for people to be able to you know, inwardly focus, figure out what it is that they're doing wrong, figuring out how they can like, you know, address their own mindsets, figuring out how they can talk to people about the boundaries they need to set. And for that to be like a normal conversation for people to be able to be open about what's going wrong in their lives, like that would, that in itself, just those few things, even if you just would see it more and more, that would be so much, um, that would be so helpful for people and you'd see so much improvement in so many people's lives um, because they wouldn't have to deal with all that. And then from that, they'd be happier from that. They'd have more strength and more or be able to tap into their strength. I feel like people already have strength. They just don't feel like they do and they don't feel like they can tap into it or they don't know how to. But if you're able to focus your prayer life and focus your meditations and your energy into like resolving these types of things and everyone else was doing that too, then people would interact with each other a lot more, you know, like positively in a more holistic, you know, healthy way and there wouldn't be a lot of these other problems coming up that stem from um lack of forgiveness and you know having burdens that people feel like they can't like talk to people about because there's so many like distrustful people around and things like that like a lot of those things you know I mean if people could just 
you know, if the aspects of forgiveness and trust just in general, those two things were, were kind of like resolved, then the majority of people's issues probably wouldn't even happen. Um, and so that's kind of some food for thought there, you know, and a lot of it just comes from social interaction, social dynamics. Um, I'm not saying like, yeah, if you have a diagnosis of schizophrenia, it's because you need to practice forgiveness. Like it's not that easy, but I mean, like there's a lot that comes with a lot of this stuff. And I mean, I've been doing this. I mean, this is where my head is at for like years now. And so the combination of things like religion and spirituality and psychology and those types of things, that's kind of like my realm. That's kind of like where I thrive and kind of the the lingo that I know how to talk and the way that I know how to think. Um, and so that's kind of where I take things all the time. It's kind of like that psychological approach. Um, but I don't know. I've been trying to end this for 10 minutes, but I hope that was helpful. Um I'm probably going to have some bloopers. The the one I'm going to put after this, this is going to be the bloopers. Um, <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. All right, guys. Here's the bloopers clip. Um, I kind of rambled and ranted and thought I was going in one direction and then didn't go that direction so here's the bloopers I hope you enjoy all right guys welcome back we're here at theory and theology so I previously was recording an an episode about um kind of on the topic of spirituality but it ended up being a whole background of kind of like my religious upbringing and um kind of like my whole kind of current views on things not uh it may have sounded kind of bitter but i mean i i don't really think i'm bitter i just feel like i've uh developed a method of thinking about a way that i was kind of brought up in and raised in and a culture that i was definitely you know, a part of that, you know, kind of really did, um, not dictate, but it really did impact every aspect of a person's life if they were practicing, you know, those traditions, um, to the T, then, you know, it would basically infiltrate like every aspect of a person's life. And so I wouldn't call myself necessarily bitter about the church or anything. It's not like I feel like I can't step inside of it without like burning up or anything. But I mean, um, I do notice that the way I was brought up with it and the way I was socialized in it is just not for me necessarily at this moment. Um, But it's not to say that I don't still value a lot of the traditions and the teachings and that I don't practice any of them I just don't do the whole let's go to church let's go to vespers let's do this let's do that um I don't really do things too specifically that way I kind of try to be more in tune with kind of what I need kind of more on a spiritual level um and that's kind of weird to say um 
So I I do value balance and routines and things like that, but I would say um I don't tend to really So I do val- value routines, um balanced living, healthy lifestyle. Um I think that, you know, body, body mind, spirit, soul, you know, I think it all has to be kind of in tune and and well tuned and synced up to be kind of like at at a person's best functioning like I'm at my best functioning if I'm like emotionally psychologically doing well finances are in order you know I'm working out I'm eating healthy you know there's a lot of things that I know how my life should look for me to be doing like feeling like at the optimal amount that I would want to feel like feeling my best um, for things to be going their best, you know, stress levels need to be low. I can't be just like overwhelmed about, you know, major issues and things. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think that that is healthy, especially when it goes on long term, you know, because what happens if is those things become a priority in a way that it's hard to balance everything else out and even out everything else when you've got like one thing or two or three things that are like, taking like 33 you know to 50 or so percent of your life you've only really got 50 percent left of energy to kind of really try to um function with versus if everything is kind of balanced and taking an even amount um then it's way more balanced and so I really do believe in that and I do think that you know the teachings I was brought up with with Adventism and you know um those sorts of traditions and things they do kind of create a balanced lifestyle um so I value that I'm not saying that I don't um there's just some stuff that I could kind of leave obviously especially with the you know and it, you know there's gonna be toxic people everywhere it's not just the church or that church or you know I I I see them outside of church too and so I'm not gonna even single out the church I just think the church can become a place, not necessarily the ones I've been to, but it can definitely become a place where it's like a breeding ground for like, you know, unhealthy environments. Um, because all those people that want to have drama and things to fight and argue about and people to hate on and grudges to hold and, you know, um, want to focus all that negative energy and create like negative chaotic relationships. That's, a place where you can find a bunch of like-minded people that want to do the same thing. And when you have numbers of people that are kind of creating an environment, I mean, it just shows, you know, how easily it can become, you know, out of control. And especially if there's no one really speaking out, then, um, like against it, that's making everyone know that that kind of thing is not okay. If there's no one really helping people be accountable for it or helping people to understand that, at least it's not like something, it, even if people are going to do it, that people aren't um, expected to or, you know, um, praised for doing it. But um, yeah, so I'm not going to talk too much more about um, that kind of stuff. But I I just want to kind of, you know, uh, put the understanding out there that I've got nothing against Adventism. Um, nothing against Christianity and, you know, religions and denominations in general. Um, but I was definitely raised in one. I definitely know what they look like. 
Um, and so let me get some of my notes to see what I'm going to be talking about here because I didn't do that first. So I mentioned at the end of the last recording that, you know, I want to talk more on my more recent, kind of more of my recent um, experiences um, with things like spirituality. Um, I don't want to say necessarily like religion, but coming from religion, kind of blending into spirituality and becoming more Um, of a focus of spirituality from a background that was initially, I mean, my own background that was initially just more religious and focused on, you know, not necessarily um, tangible things or things that I would describe as um, something I would like like, value, or, I don't know, um, sorry, I'm trying to type and think at the same time, so, sorry, I put some notes in my phone about something from Dolores Cannon, and now I can't find where I put it, so, because I don't really label things in ways that make any sense, Um, so I have a feeling that I put it in a place where I just might not find it. Um, but it was basically a bunch of topics. Um, so I want to get to those topics. Um, hmm, I found the Genesis topics, but I want to get to the topics where it talked about Dolores Cannon. Um... It's going to take me a bit. Sorry. It's going to take me a second. I'm just going to pause this while I look for it. Because I don't want to keep people listening. And uh, I don't want to have to edit this. So I'm just going to pause and I'll be right back. Alright guys. I hope you enjoyed that as the bloopers. But that's not really what I wanted to record. Um... The direction I thought I was going in was going to be talking about spirituality and um, aspects of topics that I took notes on from uh, one of Dolores Cannon's episodes where she talked about so many different topics. So I need to find where I put those notes or I need to rewrite them. I have a feeling I I wrote them in a notebook because I was listening to a podcast while I was doing tedious things at work. And I do think that what I honestly did was put them in a uh, I wrote them in the notebook and then I think I brought them into my car and I thought that I put the notes in my phone because I like everything kind of digital in case I want to record I just like having everything in the palm of my hand but um I think I actually didn't put them in my phone I think I put notes for something else in my phone then I never put those in because even when I typed in and tried to search Dolores Cannon nothing was coming up and I probably would have labeled it Dolores Cannon or at least written that in my notes somewhere 
Um, so I knew that that's where I was getting the, the material to review from. Um, and I couldn't find the video. So, um, I need to do that. I need to go back in and do that. And I will be touching on a lot of those topics, but, um, stay tuned for more, you guys. Thanks for, even if you listen to the bloopers, thanks for that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.